This is Jalen Warren, and you're listening to Rockstar Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined by Cody Carpentier, who's on the road right now, getting ready to go to what are you what are you going to? Vikings camp tomorrow? Vikings Titans. Joint practice. Titans joint practices. He's uh, just been uh, in Pittsburgh where he was watching the Pittsburgh Steelers practices and also um, you know, clearly just been on the road going to a bunch of these. And we have some sort of reports from some of the other national media members that have been on similar training camp tours that uh, Cody has picked up from talking to some of these guys. So at the end, after we talk Steelers, we'll talk about some of that. Just a quick reminder that you can find the cheat sheets over at rosterwatch.com. Uh, we're updating these cheat sheets all the time. I'm going to push an update to the Superflex and the PPR sheets a little bit later today. Um, and so just keep an eye out for those. There's been, you know, some free agent news, nothing that is anything too weird or this could change things up too much. Most of these moves we had already anticipated and it's not going to take any sort of major sort of restructuring of the skeleton or the structure of the sheets, but some tweaks need to be made. They're being made. They're being tested right now. So you can find all of that stuff over at rosterwatch.com. Also trash man is going to be at, um, Texans, Texans, Dolphins, joint practices starting tomorrow. Byron right now is at Philadelphia Eagles, Cleveland Browns, joint practices right now. He's been there since yesterday. Uh, Cody, of course, tomorrow going to take in Vikings, Titans. So with everything we've done, we're going to have gone to more than half the teams in the league this year for these training camps. And we've taken away a lot of good actual intelligence for our fantasy football leagues. And that is thanks to our pro members at rosterwatch.com. So, with that being said, Cody, uh, so you were in Latrobe, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Yes, um, I, I would venture to say again, I haven't been to every every uh, camp, but I venture to say this is definitely one of the tougher ones to physically get to as far as location. Latrobe is a cool little area, but it's a lot of back roads. A lot of reminded me a lot of West Virginia. A lot of when you, when you get in the depths of West Virginia, and it's like borderline single lane roads and going 80 on back roads that are supposed to be 45 and it's a it's it's definitely a venture out there but st vincent's a beautiful beautiful spot and it's just i mean there was so many fans you come up over the hill and it's like i don't know there was probably six seven six seven thousand fans there i don't know it was a sunday family day they had fans all up and down the uh friends and family whatever it was all up and down the sideline so it's a cool little spot out they got out there Uh, what's up to the chat man what's up ronald martinez as always, thanks for all the swag, brother, from Fuel Off-Road. Always appreciate that, dude. And then uh, Dollar Bill is asking about Calvin Austin the third. We talked about Calvin Austin on the radio show before the – was that the Friday night slate when we were giving recommendations? That was a good play. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> – I'm not sure that's going to be the first thing we talk about. Cody, what's the biggest thing? What, what's the biggest takeaway from Steelers camp? The biggest takeaway from Steelers camp was, was easy. It was Najee Harris. It was – you know, the, all the feel towards Jalen Warren, and you love Jalen Warren, I love Jalen Warren, Byron loves Jalen Warren, but Najee Harris, this is still his team. Um, our good friend Bo Marchianti, 
who we see always at the senior bowl. And he's, uh, he's on, he's been at every single Steelers practice this year. And, uh, I said, Hey man, what's, what's your biggest thought here? I said, Najee looks fantastic. He goes, this is Najee's team. I said, yeah, but what about, what about Jalen Warren? He goes, he goes, we all love Jalen Warren. He goes, but Tomlin, Tomlin loves Najee Harris still. This is still Najee's team. And then no more than like five minutes later, it was like 45 yard zone run, right? He made one guy miss scored and uh and the fans erupted and then it was like a screen pass a couple minutes later and they were they were perfectly ran perfectly executed he looks good he doesn't look like he has a pound of bad weight on him and it's Najee, dude it's i mean are you in on him now like are are you are you in on Najee harris like i've been so out on him that i'm not even i'm not even sure what his current like adp has fallen to it's so right now it's Najee Harris right now is going at in PPR leagues at running back 11, number 28 overall. He's going ahead of Travis Etienne. Um, he's going right there with Ramondre Stevenson, whose ADP is set to fall a little bit with the Ezekiel Elliott yep. news. So I just don't know with Ramondre Stevenson falling. I'm not sure that's going to push up Najee Harris. It feels like Travis Etienne is probably going to get some steam here. Brees Hall is going to get some steam at 33 overall just because of the fact that he was activated off the physically unable to, to perform list um i know that with the signing of dalvin cook that might offset it maybe so maybe that'll offset it to where Brees hall he hell i could have the wrong read on it maybe he might just kind of stay static and where he is to me it makes it makes me look, the fact that the fact that dalvin cook is still recovering from some cockamamie injury from sure, way back yeah. early in the spring you know it feels like more of the same with dalvin cook Brees Hall is going to be good to go, uh, at least to start the season. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what this will. Maybe this means there is a little room for Najee Harris to sort of slip into his own sub tier, sort of underneath Josh Jacobs and stuff like that. I just, it's not anything that I've been totally interested in, really. Cody, to me, it, I think it's been, I've been kind of off all of these Steelers because yep. I just, it's, it feels like a really. Um, unknown situation. It feels like there's a lot of systemic risk about how this offense could look in year two with Kenny Pickett. Um, so I guess maybe as a uh, to kind of follow on from that, how does the offense look? Does it feel like they're go- they're, they're going to be taking a step forward? So yeah, I think so. I said it in my little tiny recap video I put on uh, Twitter since uh, it was on Sirius. It was on all these channels, but um, I think it took a half step. I didn't see the full step. I know we saw some stuff coming out a couple weeks ago about Pickett's arm is considerably stronger than it was last year and i even saw some people saying oh i think he's gonna take a year uh what is it a year two year two jump similar to what uh, josh allen took i was like no this is not what that is this is you know there's still errant uh throws in the red zone in in the open field that are like no come on man what was that it's like he just doesn't have you know the the Mahomes, the Allen, he doesn't have that level of control in all of that or, or, or arm talent. He never has had that level of arm talent, but the arm strength looks fine. Uh, he didn't push it a ton downfield uh, during the open practice. But um, as far as the total offense goes, like it's going to be an efficient offense. They're going to, they're, they're, they're kind of pulling back more towards the pass um, and talking to multiple Steelers reporters. I said, you know, it feels like it's coming you know, like five, 10% more back towards the pass. And they all agreed with that. But I think what that really looks like is more efficiency. And I think the efficiency is only going to grow for guys like Deontay, if he can stay on the, on the field. I feel like every time I've watched a game of the Steelers or watched a practice or watch a clip, it's always Deontay going down. 
He didn't. He didn't get hurt at practice, did he? Dude, it's just, I, and I hate to like, rag, <laughs> exactly. rag on. I hate to like rag on guys and stuff, but like it, he literally, like I watched him make like multiple, not multiple. I think it was two catches. One on the sideline where it was don't like, tell me he got, toe, don't, like toe tap, don't and then he, like, he fall down. Off. He like fall down and be like, God, oh shit, <laughs> oh. and it was like, did he really just like tweak <laughs> his foot like on some random? Like he always could. He he every he, time. He sometimes will come back in though, but it it it, it tilts you. It's like, so tilting. It's important to drives. Yeah, it's because because you like. This guy's like so good, but it's like, <laughs> come on. So yeah, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, Pat Ryan dude. They they ran this third. They ran they had this third and eight drill. I love how. Can we talk about this? The, the, the how the Steelers operate their practice is just so perfect. That, they, they, that doesn't they, surprise me one one of, bit. That of course, and and it's yeah. it's always competition, right? So they have, uh, and then it's like competition, offense, defense, and then it's special teams, and then they go back to the competition or whatever. But so they had this one thing where it would they started out with I think it was eleven on eleven, um, thud, and they were in the red zone, and they basically did head up offense, defense, and they ran I think it was like six plays, or maybe it ended up being seven plays, but it was like defense, and they get done, they go two whistles or sorry, one whistle to end it. And then they'd go three whistles and Tom would go, what's the score. And one of the coordinators would go one zero defense. Did it again. Two zero defense. And it was just like this thing. And they ended up, I think it was like four, two defense one or whatever. Um, then they did this third and eight drill. That was really awesome. And it was just basically Kenny Pickett drilling Pat Fryermuth. Kenny Pickett drilling Pat Fryermuth. Deontay. Pat Fryermuth and Fryermuth is just like gonna sit. Any Darnell Washington down there in the red zone drills or the third and eight stuff? No, Dar- no. I mean this that, that was first team. Um, Darnell comes in there. He did come in there on one play down in the red zone. He was, I think he he was either targeted. I don't remember if he caught it or not. No, he did. He he got the sorry. He caught the last target of the drill, uh, right over the middle, right classic spot, right where the tight end, right underneath the goalpost. There, he did mm-hmm. catch one, but that was like the last play uh, of the of the red zone drill there. He only comes. He only really came in there on on the, in that situation. Not right, that feels like, I mean, it, it doesn't take too many mental gymnastics to see him right underneath those goalposts. Yes, like that's yeah. just that's that's sort of that's sort of the way that I, I see him kind of being being used this season. You know, and probably for the rest of his career. I don't think he's ever going to turn into any kind of every down. Uh, yeah, you know, inline receiving weapon. The one thing I do want to get because we, we kind of came off running back a little bit, but I, I didn't finish the whole thing there. But I do think with the offense getting more efficient, I think that's only going to benefit Najee. And I am with you. I, I'm really not a Najee guy. Um, I, I haven't really, I guess, been in on him per se the last two but years. Should, but should and we the, be now? And, and the, conversation, no the conversation I had before I even went to Latrobe with Nate Liss uh, when I was in Canton was we were talking about like guys in 2022 and even like, you know, guys after the season, you look back and you go, why didn't I take that guy? And you're thinking back and you're like, cause his situation was ugly and uh, everybody was out on him. And then he's the guy that kind of bumps up and we we're like, who was that guy last certainty. year? Who was the guy last year? It was Josh Jacobs, right? Jacobs. Yeah. Everyone was like, Jacobs, nah, nah, nah. And he just was like sitting in that, in that, in that lull area in drafts and nobody would take him. And he was, was in like, the dead zone. And, and what do you know about Pittsburgh? Yeah. Pittsburgh's going to be a team that's going to be in a lot of games. They've literally never finished under 500 with, with Tomlin. They're, they're in the AFC North. I know it's become more of a pass-happy pass happy, uh, division, but it's also a really good division. So you need to have the ball, ball control. It's going to be a lot of tight games. Like it's going to be a fine football team. It's going to be a ten-win team, nine-win team, whatever it is. I don't think they. I don't think they're good enough to win the division per se. Um, but I just think not. I just 
he looks good, dude. That's all I'm going to say. And then PPR, behind him, do you like in PPR, do you like Najee Harris better than Ramondre Stevenson now that Zeke is in New England? I've, I've, you know this. I've never been a big Ramondre guy, okay, and I yeah. would say, and I would say yes. Yeah, I would say yes. Um, especially now, and and we talked about this, you know, over some text. But uh, the Zeke thing, I'm not even that. I don't think Zeke's going to like. I don't think Zeke's going to make or break anything, but. Um, I think it is going to be just annoying enough, especially for the for the Ramondre shares getting those touchdowns and stuff. But in this Pittsburgh Steelers backfield, also uh, Jalen Warren obviously looks good. He look he looks fantastic. But 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 remember Benny Snell made this roster last year, and Anthony McFarland was banged up. Anthony McFarland's out there, and I was talking to Bo, and Bo said Anthony McFarland has looked like possibly the best player on the offensive side of the ball. He always looks like the camp. They call him Mr. August, and and he's and he's healthy. So, so and and I asked I asked Warren. I said, you know, you got a whole new dynamic this year with McFarland being healthy. And he's like, the way basically what he said was, we feel good about everybody in this backfield. We think anybody can go on the field and do the same thing and and get that work in. So, I think that's going to be the three guys they're going to roll with. Um, they just brought in uh, today. They brought in Zavian Zavian. I always butcher his name. Zavian Valade, who was practicing with Houston. Um, they waved a fullback and, and brought him in today, which Big I didn't even validate, huh? From, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even see, yeah, I didn't even see Houston cut him. So I didn't either. Um, so he's in, he's in Pittsburgh now, but I didn't get to see him, but yeah, he was, uh, from Arizona state, as you mentioned, he's kind of the, the guy that came in after Rashad white. Um, but he's now up in Pittsburgh, but the, the three guys is going to be Warren McFarlane and Najee in that backfield. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I would take Najee over, over a to really answer that question. So do we want, do we want exposure to Najee Harris now? I mean, yeah. this is this is why yep. we do this. Yep, you do. You do. Like, and, and like I said, you just said it as well at the start of this year. Like, I haven't been targeting any of these Steelers guys, and I love George Pickens. Like, as far as a pure wide receiver goes, like, love every part of him. Right? He's the menace. He's the dog. He's a top dog when it comes to that whole grading process, the prospect process. But as far as fantasy goes, like, I don't really want any of these guys like we talked about Deontay a minute ago Fryermuth is kind of in a dead spot at the tight end position that I don't really like drafting tight ends in he doesn't get quite the usage I want to see and Pickens he has there's a there's a there's a part volatility to that game of how he plays because he's so good stretching the field and they also have Deontay underneath which is the, the part that kind of takes away from that upside in my opinion as far as George Pickens is is uh talked about and then you have Allen Robinson now, and he's that fourth option right now, it looks like. So it's a weird offense, a lot of guys there, and I truthfully am not in on really anybody until now. And I'm like, Najee, man, the cost you're paying for Najee, is, is a, it, it's proper. Hey, Cody, just real quick, I was going to let you know that there's some, um, there's some utility workers here outside the studio working on this stuff. So I'm getting a little bit of a signal thing here. If I start like cracking up or something, let me know <laughs> because I will. You, I got you. you seem fine to me, but I saw him out there working. I was a little bit worried about that. Um, we have in the chat section, this dude, Freddie is saying um, he wants to, he, dude, he's just Freddie. Fre- he's got the cues today. He's got the cues, Freddie, baby. Gre- Freddie wants to know all of all these Allen Robinson questions. So like, let's just get into the I, wide receiver. He's a truth. How, how, how does, how does Allen Robinson, uh, how does Allen Robinson fit in? The, the, the original reporting was he was being used out of the slot to start. Is that kind of the case right now still? Yeah, they're going to use him. They're going to use him at, at, uh, at Z and in, and in the slot. He's he's fine. He's not gonna. I mean, what's what's uh, Freddie has in here? Forty receptions, realistic for Allen Robinson. 
40 receptions is probably a good over-under number. Like, you look at the last couple of years, Chicago, he had 38 on 66 targets. Rams last year, he had 33 on 52 targets, played 12 games and 10 games those last two years. Like, if he stays healthy, I don't see a problem with him cresting 40. Um, but as far as, like, being uh, a fantasy viable guy, like, like I saw Matt uh, replied to one of the tweets I said about Allen Robinson from the, from the main account. He's like, it's either going to be the best slot receiver in football or he's going to not make the roster. And it's like, he's literally going to be dead nuts in, in the middle of that. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be the best slot in, in the league, but he's definitely making the roster. I'll tell you that right now. And he feels like he's a little reju- reju- not like rejuvenated, but uh, he feels happier. I don't know. I, I talked to him a little bit after practice and he seems like he's in a good space. Like this is a great receiving room. He knows that. And I think he kind of understands his role. Like he's kind of, he, when you talk about like, we'll talk about another guy in a little bit of, on, on the Rams that's kind of in Cooper, Cooper Cup's pocket. Like that's what Allen Robinson is to Deontay Johnson. Like everywhere Deontay went, he was there. Or if Pickens was going somewhere, he was right behind him. Like he wasn't the big dog you always visualize, right? Allen Robinson's had the biggest season out of any of these three guys ever, as far as their career goes. And he's the one walking around behind Deontay Johnson in his pocket, talking to him, cheering him up right next to Pickens talking to him. Like he's the vet in this room. That's pretty clear. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, I'm not going to, we're not going to draft Allen Robinson. So do, who do you like better at their current ADP? Do you like um, Deontay, Deontay Johnson, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens basically go sort of back to back, right? Usually in the late, what, late seventh round or so. Yeah. Um, is there one of those guys that you prefer in PPR? And do you like, I mean, or do you like uh, I, Alan Robinson's ADP is probably uh, who, like wide receiver 99, <laughs> I, mean, I guess. you. Yeah. So he, so would you rather have Alan Robinson for free or would you rather pay the seventh round price for those two guys or just neither? Honestly, um, honestly, I don't want any of them. I, I, I would probably say if, if, if you said you have to have a player from every single team, I'd probably, or have to have a receiver from every single team. I'd probably say Deontay um, just because we know if he is healthy, he's going to get those games where it's, you know, eight to 12 targets most times, more times than not. I just personally, like we talked about a minute ago, I'm just don't really want any of them at the receiver position because there's so many good ones. And we haven't even talked about the guy that I think looked possibly not the best, but he, it was shocking. I didn't like, we are big fans of Kelvin Austin coming out. He had a foot injury last year. He didn't do anything. And he is the, the clear wide receiver four in this offense. And they're using him in punt return but he has got the shiftiness. He's got the jukes. He's got the jives. He's healthy. His lower half for a little puny guy, his lower half looks great. He's coming off of, coming off a of lower body ankle injury. Looks looks great. Lower body does. Um, he's he's Tyler Lockett. That, he's Tyler Lockett. That's what he looks like right now, and, and they like him. Um, like I said, I like where his lower body's at, and uh, if people want to talk about Terrace Marshall, I seen Terrace Marshall last week, and I seen Calvin Austin this week, and how the teams are using each of these guys, and how the teams treat each of these guys, and how the teams respect each of these guys. I think I'm, when people ask about Terrace Marshall, I'm going to start saying, you know, Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. What, what about him? Because everyone's getting the, the – you're hearing the pump from Terrace Marshall, right? He's 6'3", 210. He's the second-round pick from LSU, and it's like – what has Pittsburgh done? Pittsburgh's done this for two decades now. They, they bring these guys in, middle-round guys, and they amp them up and amp them up. And we know one thing about Calvin Austin. We've already seen it from Tank Dell this year in the preseason. It's the route running, and it's the dyna- dynamism. And I think Calvin has it. He's healthy. And He's an all-senior bowl guy at roster watch. I mean, and, after, and after him, it's nobody. Like, it, it falls off quick. Like, 
So he's the definite wide receiver four at the very least. Not even a question. The guy behind him is Cody White, and after Cody White, it's like Miles Boykin. And after Miles Boykin, it's terrible. And Miles Boykin's pretty terrible. So I was say it's I, already I, gotten, I, it's dude, already I, I, bad. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even realize Hakeem Butler was on this team. I got to see Hakeem Butler and Miles Boykin yesterday, and that was uh, that was kind of a treat because I was just like watching watching like the route running from like Deontay Johnson and Calvin Austin. And then, like, two guys later, it's Akeem Butler. That's all I'm going to say. You want to win your fantasy draft? No, I mean, like, really. Do you really, really, really want to win your fantasy draft? Because you can win your fantasy draft with the Rosterwatch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet, available at rosterwatch.com. It's the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever, and it's the only tool you'll need this draft season. You've heard Rosterwatch live on SiriusXM Radio here on the podcasts from all the NFL training camps. Now all you have to do is follow the three simple rules at the top of the sheet of paper using the Roster Watch cheat sheet. That's it. Three rules. An extra quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet. You can't afford to draft without it. It's available now and only at rosterwatch.com. It looks like you – know, so we got some news just coming in from some of these camps. I guess we'll keep – I mean, just here's from Roster Watch. This is from Byron just texting me and Cody. He says he doesn't think he wants any of the Eagles running backs. If I take any, it'll be Kenny Gainwell, though, super late. But he's just a flex IMO. He said, I do want all the Nick Chubb, though. <laughs> so I guess I guess Nick Chubb is probably looking good. We'll have the updates from uh, We'll have the updates from him. I also just saw it come through on Twitter – that Javante Williams is expected to play in the second preseason game this week for the Broncos, which is just, in, I mean, talk about a, Nuts. talk about a Wolverine like uh, recovery there for him, but uh, we'll continue to hopefully get him until he gets too expensive and he might get too expensive soon um, to remain in our plans. What about, Hey, I, I, people might not care about this, but I don't care. I care. What, what about Broderick Jones? Like did like did you talk to anybody about this Dan Moore stuff or anything going 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 on at the left tackle and because we worried so much la- like the the worry last year with Najee Harris was of course the um the the offensive line and through the course of the season they turned out not to be so bad I just thought with first round rookie dude this is this is, this is like this is going to be something where it could kind of help him out you bring in a you bring in a guy like Darnell Washington that could be attached in line who's just a dog of a blocker there outside can really help on the outside zones we've talked about how it could help to Najee not to bounce so many uh, outside runs out like he does um it's just been disappointing what we've heard from Jones like did you did the yeah. offensive line come up in any, any of your conversations or was there anything that you noticed that was the first thing I first thing I asked uh, Bo because Bo's been there obviously every practice. I was like, "Hey, why is Broderick not with the first team right now?" And he's like, "Can't he can't beat out Dan Green?" That's exactly what the words came out of his mouth. He's like, "He can't or, beat out Dan or, Green or or Dan is, is it Dan Green or Dan Moore?" Dan, what did I say? Green? Dan yeah. Moore? Yeah, Dan Moore. I, so. I don't know why I had Dan. I wrote I literally wrote Dan Green. That's a powerlifter. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> very very jacked powerlifter. No, sorry, Dan Moore. He, he said he can't beat out Dan Moore. And then, um, but they did, the thing is they did have him kind of standing back there, like next to the, like the guys that were prepped to go into like next play, like they, you know, Jalen Warren's a sub or Calvin Austin's a sub. He had him standing next to the subs and then he did get some opportunities. But but when I asked around there, basically he can't beat out Dan Moore. He just can't right now. And so, um, we know we'll talk about Arizona here in a minute with their stud left tackle. It's the same kind of situation. Is that, is that, is, is that good for the offensive line to say this first round stud rookie isn't good enough or is it just bad for him? They, the line looked fine. 
their line looked fine. And again, they're playing against some dogs, right? They they're playing against TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, and the rookie Nick Herbig. Nick Herbig's another one we can bounce right into him. Nick Herbig has been the player of camp. That's nobody could shut up about Nick Herbig, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. So if you're playing in IDP, keep an eye on him late. But um, Nick Herbig is. Uh, the big matchups, I think it was him against Broderick Jones. That was also the one thing that I read multiple times. Um, I listened to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast on the way home. He was in Pittsburgh last week. He was he happened to be there the day that uh, they were doing one-on-ones, and it was Nick Erbeg against, um, against Broderick Jones. And Broderick beat him. The f- No, sorry. Nick Erbeg won the first rep. Broderick Jones won the second rep. And Tomlin whistled, hit the whistle 10 times. Ten times, not just one. It was ten whistles. And he said, we're going to do it right here, right now. Pulled the defense in, pulled the entire offense in, everybody on the field, all 10,000 fans. And it was one-on-one Nick Erbig against Broderick Jones. And that was the big matchup. So you ask what that means to, to the offensive line. Is it good? Is it bad? I think it's fine because it means that the offensive line's on a fine space because, again, you're still talking about a guy like Broderick Jones, a rookie, going against an edge rusher who's going to get starting reps for this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And I – I don't know. We we kind of knew like Paris Johnson was the best one, uh, best one to start right away. And Broderick, the reason he went a little bit later was because of that. Like there was a little bit of question whether he was going to be raw enough or if he was too raw to start day one. And I he think sure didn't think he was. Not if you talked to him at the combine. Well, come on, you went to Georgia, young man. Yeah, guy won back to back titles. You, you're at Georgia. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to be pretty, I'm gonna be pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty high on myself there too. But what about what about one last thing? Just what about Kenny Pickett and, and as your quarterback too in Superflex? There's enough you, weapons there. Sure. I mean, you've seen, I mean, you've seen Bryce Young live. Who do you prefer as your QB2 in Superflex? Pick it there's, so much, there's, there's so many, there's so many better weapons in Pittsburgh and it's going to be such a, a, a much more efficient of an offense. I would say as far as getting down the field, like I could see, I could see Bryce Young averaging 170 passing yards a game this year, just because of how the offense is built. And that, that sounds small, but like you go look at averages and stuff, especially for rookies. Like that's, that's, I think that's a completely in, in a world, conversation and i think pickett's a guy who could probably be in the 240 range right and i'm not and i'm just like those are numbers that immediately come to my head based on watching these offenses is i just think yes i would probably prefer pickett as that quarterback too i'm not even sure where his adp is going right now because i haven't been drafting him at all quarterback 23 uh for kenny pickett right next to brock purdy and actually two spots after Bryce Young. So, hell yeah, we're going to take uh, Kenny Pickett after Bryce yeah, well, Young. So, I mean, that's a, that's a move on the super flex sheet, you think? I just wrote it down. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting – or even doubling up, getting your QB2 and QB3 with like – if you could start out, if you get Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett. Like yeah. as you – not as your two quarterbacks, but as your, as your two and your two three, and three super flex. Yeah. That would feel real good. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to move on to some of this other kind of insider news that you've heard from these various reporters that you were talking to? Yeah, there was a couple of national reporters that were at the Steelers camp, and Steelers camp took a little bit to get going. So I was lucky enough to get to have some conversation. Um, talked about talked to a guy that was on the West Coast a lot last week. Um, also saw the Tennessee Titans, so I, I had to get some some news on the Tennessee Titans before I see them tomorrow against the Vikings and see if I can um, double down on these uh, the next time we talk. But I asked about Tyja Spears. I didn't even ask about Tyja Spears. I just said, "How's this offense look?" And he brought up Tyja Spears. Uh, I said he's the number two despite any depth or or opportunity depiction in camp or in preseason games or the depth chart that they released that doesn't mean anything um they have they, they he said they've been running a multitude of like weird formations i thought this was a very interesting note he said that they've had spears and henry in the backfield at the same time the same time 
Spears and 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 there's like uh Spears out on a wheel route, dude. He's a sick receiver. Spears gets a pitch with Henry as the lead blocker. Henry gets a a reverse, a reverse, and and Spears is going the opposite direction. Like they, I think, I don't know. I don't know. My initial thing was like, they got wait, what? Derrick Henry's the lead blocker. What? So yeah, I mean, but but they love Taija. And this is exactly what we we have to draw the line all the way back to is what we talked about in the spring. And I said, I want Taija as much as possible in 2023 because we talked about the knee thing. We we don't know. We're we're not the doctors. We don't get the the you know the MRIs and all that stuff uh, at the combine. So we I, don't know. I wouldn't even know what to do with with an MRI if you handed it to my head. <laughs> I just I mean I'd just be like, well, all right. Look at this. But thing. That's, so that, so anyway, Taija Spears, right. like like we've been drafting the hell out of Taija Spears, but there was also this Hassan Haskins thing that everybody thought Hassan Haskins wouldn't be on the roster because of his off field stuff. He's still there, but it's clear inside Dude. that Taija's there. And the thought, did you see the game? I mean, it's like Taija was yeah. in Taija was in there to start the game whenever Derrick Henry doesn't play. Mm-hmm. He looks awesome, and they just take him out. Right? He just comes right out, and the rest of the time you get Haskins and these other dirt balls. And it's yeah. like it's like. They didn't even, they didn't even really mess with it with Ty J Spears, man. You saw how good he looked, and he just gets out. It, I mean, it, it's no real surprise to us that they've seen him, you know, at the Senior Bowl and some of these other events this off season to, you know, see him see him thriving. He's just he's just one of these guys who kind of came in with a pretty pretty ready skill set, dynamic. And I think that I mean, go all the way back to the last USC game, like that was the best competition he, you could have played in college. He did it in a bowl game, so. Uh, what was that? I, oh, that was the six touchdown monster. What, what was it? Five, four, two, two or five and five or something like that. Yeah, two yeah, five, something. Whatever it was. <laughs> just, a, just a maniacal fucking performance. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, quarterback. Uh, he said Willis, Willis has improved vastly compared to last year, but he's still, he's still a step slow. Uh, and, and he basically said that unless everything goes haywire or Tannehill gets hurt, it's going to be Tannehill's job all year. Um, and that was pretty pretty self apparent. I, I asked a question. I said, "So Burks and Hopkins?" I said, "On paper, this is a this is it feels like the most underrated duo in the league." And this guy goes, <sighs> and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Oh okay. And he goes, "Yeah, Hopkins." He goes, "Hopkins is still a great uh, possession receiver in this offense, but it, but he just isn't quite Hopkins." Hopkins. And they said, "Burks looks great. Burks looks like he's down." He goes, "If he weighed two twenty five last year, looks like he weighs two fifteen now." And those lower bodies still good, and he's winning a lot. He's winning a lot of his routes, but downfield stuff, he's struggling in one one spot, and that one spot is attacking the ball or stealing the ball from defenders, and 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 kind of just not playing. When I think of Alpha, I think of that. Right? It's it's you're attacking at all times. You're the big dog. You're you, at all times. Go get that ball. And he said he basically he just kind of like he wins the route, and then he just kind of doesn't finish, like a Mike Williams type does. Right? And I was I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and then he just kind of went right off of Burks into that tight end that's 85. Oh my god, that lower body. His lower body is crazy. That's is what that, he said. Is that Chig? That's Chig. Okay. And and I was like, Chig, I mean, Chig's a everybody loves Chig. And he's like, they they weren't happy with the the way the Janu thing ended. And I think they're gonna do it right this time. And that's that was the quote from from this guy that had been at the Tennessee Titans camp. So and talk to some Tennessee Titans guys. So, um, do how much do I want Chig? I don't know, but that sounds that sounds good. Like this offense doesn't sound like it's going to be as bad as it is. But then everything circled right back to what the thirty second ranked offensive line in football. 
Yeah, none of it matters. Yeah, right. I mean, (laughs) as far as our as as far as our stuff, he's definitely is definitely the definitely the worst. uh, You know, as far as our offensive line rankings, Um, I guess Freddie and and the chat's asking if we're bullish on Chig at all. I mean, Freddie for me, dude, it's like dynasty. I, I yeah, and dynasty for sure. I just feel like in redraft and best ball and stuff. I've gotten enough of my exposure to Chigo Conquo throughout the whole time before DeAndre Hopkins got there. And I, and I got him at sort of an inflated ADP. I just feel like it's time to, I'm not getting much more Chig. And that's just me personally, the way that I'm managing it. I think if he falls, I think that you're fine to still take him. I don't necessarily think that this was a death sentence for them to get DeAndre Hopkins, but it, it feels like it hurt a little bit. If the ADP continues to drop and drop, then I think it's, I think it's fine, you know, to take Chigo Conquo. Um, you, so, in these West Coast teams, like, was it or what other teams did you talk to people about? Denver. Denver was the other one that I had the most notes from. Okay. Uh, Marvin Mims, uh, who has only been practicing for like a week because he was dealing with some, uh, some, uh, was it soft tissue hamstring injury? He said that Russ, he didn't think Russ would ever get back to where Russ was, but Russ looked like he, he came back a little bit. Like, he had this great ball that wasn't quite a, a, a Seattle moon ball to Tyler Lockett, but it looked like it to Marvin Mims in practice the other day. And he said that was that was like the closest Russ, the closest throwback Russ that he's seen out of out of that offense. Um, there was nothing on Javante because uh, this guy that I was talking to wasn't there when Javante was um, was activated. But then he also said he sat down with some people in Denver, and basically the Adam Troutman stuff is true. Uh, that's not just a barrage on the depth chart because he was a Sean Payton guy. It's because they want to run the ball a lot. And Adam Troutman's the clear best run blocking tight end on this roster. And Dulcich is kind of a tweener in this offense. And they don't really know where to use him or how to use him. Now, I did see a tweet today about him catching a ball while he was in the slot, which is good because they hadn't been doing that uh, the last couple of weeks. And the report was that he potentially could be on the trade block is at some point between dosage. Yeah. Because, because he just, again, he's not from this regime. And every time you, and when he said that, I was like, wait, what? He's a, yeah. He said, dosage is getting fucked. And like, they just don't know how to use him. They don't know where to use him. And I think that's just, that's blasphemy. It doesn't make any sense. But the idea that like a guy that averaged 16.7 yards per catch in college He's 240 pounds, 6'3", runs a 4'6", was low 4'6". Like, he's dynamic, and you can't find a spot for him. Like, it makes – but, like, Sean Payton's offense is built around these big dudes. Like, you already had Jimmy Graham. Uh, who was the other guy he did? Did he have um, uh, Jared Cook? Like, that's that's a Troutman type. That's not a Dulcich. Dulcich is 6'3", 240, as you know, right? So Send Dulcich to the Chargers. I guess that's in division. Please. Well, I mean, yeah, that would – yeah, that would have been – that would be too – but yeah, so I, it's 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 Trout, the Troutman's a starter, um, and Dalsich. They just right now it seems like the reports, the, the conversations I had were that he was he's a tweener and they just don't know where to use him and basically that he's fucked. And that was the quote: "He's fucked." And I was like, yeah. "I hate to hear." it. I was taken so back by that. I was like, "I don't I hate even... to hear it just because I love Dalsich so." Dalsich is a I, fun dude. He's a cool he's a great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Talked we talked to him at the Senior Bowl, and I was like, "This is a this is a this is a pro. This is a professional." dude right here so i was definitely saddened by that 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 one didn't make my day at all but um 
Yeah, Marvin Mims had a good has has been looking good, I guess, since he's been back. And then the Arizona Cardinals was really the the other best note that I had was uh, Clayton Tune, some Clayton Tune action, quarterback from Houston, right down in your area, uh, potentially uh, taking the job from Colt McCoy sooner than later. Another guy from down there at, at UT um, would not surprise this guy. He said that Clayton Tunes looked great and he's understood the offense quick. Um, so. I didn't think I didn't think it was gonna be a question. I thought it would just be Cole McCoy all year, but I think we did talk about this at one point. And I was like, "Do you think there's a world where two? I was like, "Nah, that's that's blasphemy." Like Cole McCoy's a professional quarterback. Like he is. And so yeah, again, man, he's just. I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he just started up his own clothing line down here. I'm getting a lot of photos of him on my Instagram wearing these awesome pearl snap T-shirts, man. He he opens up a clothing line and now he's working for Underdog, so he's got his half. He's got a foot out the door already. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and here's the thing: he's he he's he's gonna get hurt. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it even matters if Kuhn takes a job from him now or if he just takes it for him from him once he's hurt because he's he's gonna get hurt. That's just the way the Cole Cole plays, and um, he's a you know as much as as much as he was a prolific passer at texas he always he's always 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 just had a little bit of gunslinger to him he's a little bit daring with his body it's just and he's and he's he's just like he i just i don't think he's injury prone by anything except for just like the way that he plays right so um we're gonna see him get injured and that's gonna lead to clayton tune at some point and and then unless there's something that happens with kyler murray that we're not expecting, you know, but uh, we, I think that kind of leads into this, maybe just this last thing we'll talk about. Michael Wilson, uh, his ADP is higher than Dorch right now, is what a commenter says. Do you just like, what about Michael Wilson? I mean, we're, I don't care. It's, I mean, I love Michael Wilson, you know that, but I'm, we're talking seasonal football right now. Like this offense, we're, we're literally, this is the problem. We're talking about Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon. And I don't, and, and, and Hollywood Brown's there. And Hollywood Brown, they say, looks as good as he's ever looked, or he proclaims to be looking as good as he's ever felt. Um, you also got Trey McBride and Zach Ertz there. You also got James Conner there. That was, I think, a bigger question for me is if Clayton, if, if, we're, if we're serious about this Clayton Toon thing, is that going to be a big hit to Conner? Because Colt McCoy, we think, is pretty proficient at getting the ball to the running back. But the thing about Connor, I mean, the, the the other side of that coin is that if you look at the splits of Connor with with non Kyler quarterbacks during the time he's been there with Kyler, he's been he's been perfectly fine. He's but, he's actually been a little bit better. But what's Tune come from? Tune comes from Houston. Tune comes from ripping that football down the field. Tune comes from yeah. deep balls to Rondale Wilson. Brown, I understand. You know I, 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 I understand. But what's his what? Who was who's the offensive core? I forget. What, I can't believe I can't forgot his name. He's he's not going to automatically change from this super duper run heavy system that the offensive line and Connor and everybody has said that they're so excited about playing in. Right, just to say like, all right, well, time to craft my offense around the around the fourth round rookie. That's you true. know. Like I just, uh, I'm, I'm not sure the tune was fourth round. I'm, he might have been. Was was he fourth? Drew Petzing. He was uh, a C for the Browns and Vikings. Drew 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 Petzing. Um, I, you know, let's just let's let's go ahead and let's let's go ahead and and tear everything to the studs and let's go build around Clayton Tune. It's the it's 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 not happening. So I think the Connor is going to be Connor. He's the I, you know, he's he's the only Cardinal that I'm interested in. Uh, that's 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 what I got in Arizona. 
I, 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 I want to say one more comment though before I don't know I don't know how you want to go out on this, but I did read a report out of the Athletic from the Athletics beat writer from the Bears that Roshan Johnson was named the best offensive player at training camp, and he might already be the best pass protecting back, and he showed some of that power. So, hey, baby. Once again, man, tomorrow's newspaper, dude. That's what you're getting all off season right here on Roster Watch.